welcome. This is the Modern Industrials Podcast, the show where we talk about accelerating transformation in the Industry 4.0 era. Our goal with this series is to help spur adoption of technologies that are critical to industry innovation, and we're going to talk about the current trends and challenges that we're seeing in the space. My name's Jason Heeman. I am the vertical lead for Industry 4.0 and IoT at TXI. Uh, I'm joined again by my regular co-host and our head of engineering at TXI, Patrick Turley. Hello, Turley. How's it going, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? Doing great. We just got back from Austin, enjoying the uh, gorgeous weather as always. And so uh, I would say, can you see that I got a little bit of a tan? No, I'm just pasty white skin as ever. No. Well, you were rigorously applying your SPF. So that's right. that was, that's that right. was good. dedicated, good. dedicated. <laughs> no, it's it's weird to be looking at you through a uh, screen again after spending two days uh, in living color, which was which was a blast. It's a, yeah, it is, it is a, uh, a blessing. I'm telling you, we, we don't get to see, um, coworkers these, these days, uh, in person anymore and going to conferences is the rare treat for us, I'd say. Indeed. Indeed. So I think that conference is going to be like the core bit of our conversation today. Cause I, I feel like I came back with like all sorts of things rattling around my head, but just for our listeners, let me just like give them a little context for where it was that we were at. So it was the Applied Intelligence Live conference held last week in Austin, Texas. Um, that's certainly a city that's continuing to burnish uh, its reputation as a tech hub. Um, this was a new conference uh, that resulted from the merging of IoT World and the AI Summit. So it was a really interesting combination of topics in artificial intelligence and machine learning and industrial uh, applications. Uh, there was wireless connectivity as a talk track, quantum computing, smart cities, digital twins. Really, it was a great place for you and I to be as like we're trying to cover and talk about all these industry 4.0 topics. Um, I thought there were some pretty uh, big name uh, organizations that were there, uh, brought a lot to the agenda. Shell was there representing the energy uh, vertical. Obviously, IoT and digital twins are big in that corner of the world. Um, AT&T, Google, NVIDIA, John Deere. I thought it was a good cross-section of people, um, but it wasn't so big that it felt hard to hard to navigate. What were your just impressions of, of being in Austin last week and the uh, the turnout at the at the event? Yeah, we um, you and I talked about this uh, beforehand, but I, I really liked the um, the volume of people. It felt um, felt like enough people. I, I was thinking, could I give a, a good guess of how many people? I'm really horrible at that. But uh, it felt like enough people to where uh, over over the course of two days, I was always meeting just enough new people, but not so many people that we were just in a sea of endless people. Uh, and so you could go to a talk and there'd be, uh, you know, 30 or so people in there and you'd, you'd see the, the, the same faces in the, in this, in places that you're interested in. And, uh, you could pull them aside afterwards and, and get to know folks. And it was definitely the type of place where on average you could, you could have access to the speakers if you'd like that without any trouble. Um, which felt really good, um, and then there was also a nice mix of uh, of booths to to go uh, talk to various folks, vendors um, of all sorts of different types. It was great interaction for me. Yeah, I hadn't been to a conference in a while, but this felt like a really nice reentry. Um, it felt like a lot of the folks there were very much doers, right? So it felt like a lot of people doing a bit of like share and tell share and tell, show and tell, uh, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing in the space. This is what we're excited about. Uh, so there was a lot of really good conversations to be had. And to your point, what I thought was nice was, uh, you would see somebody in a session, uh, run into them again, an hour or two later. Uh, and there was a bit of like recognition. Oh, you know, 
what did you think of this right there was um there was a, a familiarity that was read pretty quickly among the people who were there but um thematically um i'm curious what was your big what was one of your big takeaways from the two days that we spent there yeah um i think one of the topics that i enjoyed digging into the most uh was the digital twin space um that's a certainly a buzzword i feel like we've all talked a lot about um i think the the broad concept is pretty easy to understand um but uh which i'll, I'll go ahead and say i guess which is uh a digital representation of uh, something in the in the real world and i think like at that you know ten thousand foot view is is relatively simplistic, but what we got, what we did at the conference is talk a little bit more about um, the nitty gritty detail there. Uh, I got, uh, I got to speak with some people who um, have companies purely, you know, centered around producing digital twins and it just was easy to cut through what those folks thought was, um, you know, overly expansive marketing speak uh, and what the, what was real value and and things that we should be focusing on uh, as an industry. I think the uh, one good example of that uh, was I uh, I was hanging out with a, a guy that that works at a a digital twin product company, and I was like, we see these three D rep representations of things. And I was like, what's the talk to me about the real value there, and how often do you see that in 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 the wild? And he was like. It's rare, man. Uh, it's the thing that you see on lots of the of the marketing material, but uh, at the end of the day, it's um, there's only a, there's only a small set of cases that that uh, that sort of like three D rendered view of a thing is actually really valuable. And he he sort of said, you know, what you which really need to look at is these there's there are lots of different sort of graphical representations of these systems. And he showed this awesome one of basically the entire supply chain or I guess the, the entire chain of events in a factory. And um, I thought, I thought it did a better job than any kind of 3d modeling of like maybe the factory floor or anything like that of painting a picture of the process that really mattered for the person consuming the digital twin. Um, and I think he, um, see, the point was simply that uh, while a digital twin can be hyper-realistic if you'd like, there are times in which that could be taken to um, uh, it, it can be used to simplify a process or, or something going on in the real world and still give you that, uh, that direct uh, relationship to that, that, that real world process. So uh, I thought that was insightful and it, it's, it was, it was actually like, I guess it was my supposition as well. Um, but it was good to have some of those things uh, either confirmed or in some cases expanded from my, um, my experience with people who do this all day, every day for the Yeah, no, I love that point about the, the digital twins. Uh, I mean, it's classically true, right? That sometimes it's the abstraction of the thing that actually allows us to have greater insight and allows us to understand it in a better way. Not by creating like a, a true replica, but the, the model uh, is the thing that really unlocks things. Um, you know, for me, I think that this whole generative AI moment that happened in late last year just made the impact of AI tangible to people in a new way, right? Like machine learning has been a thing for a while. Um, and the, the generative aspect of uh, what's happening now and bringing us forward, I think, created a lot of buzz around the topics that we were covering. 
largely because as we think about the exponential growth of data points that we can pull from IoT devices, I don't know how we are going to really make full use of all of these things that we're capturing without the support of things like machine learning and AI, right? So the two things really go hand in hand. Um, and I don't know that when we were starting to think about the path that we would take for these podcast episodes that um, AI would be as uh, instrumental of a theme that we're probably gonna have to keep coming back to. But I think being at the conference in Austin last week uh, really showed me the ways that the overlap is much more significant than I was probably appreciating previously. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess one, one simple example, I, I've been uh, someone like you, I've, I've been trying to, to pinpoint the good sort of generative AI or LLM um, examples in, uh, in sort of industry 4.0 work. And I got at least one just like, yeah, that's obviously perfect. That's uh, a great answer, uh, which was um, one one company was putting like a just simple chat box that uh, would be alongside of all of the rest of the presentation of their products. And really that would be just loaded up with all of the technical do documentation that uh, that a person might need to interact with whatever these uh, this space is. And rather than being like, wildly proficient in sifting through technical documentation you can easily produce a uh, a nice interface to that that type of content uh for a person who um you know otherwise might might have to go through you know multi-week very expensive trainings on on these types of um types of materials and it reduces the cost to the to the business to have people be more effective and uh frankly it reduces the drudgery or the the mundaneness of the work and, and allows people to get back to the things that they probably joined uh, up for uh, for doing in the first place. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of, of real value there in terms of how we can think about, again, to your point, taking some of the drudgery out of, out of things. That was the theme, I think, that people talked about in terms of the potential role and opportunity here. Um, anything that, um, I'm, there was things that surprised me or things that I discovered, uh, but I'm curious, uh, anything that you came with like, well, I wasn't expecting to learn that, or that's that's news to me. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think one thing that I, it was a good framing for something that I didn't, it was a fuzzy thought that I, that that became more clear was, um, certainly there was a section of talks that were more uh, speculative about the future, right? And uh, I think, I'm inundated with that for sure right now, and to the point of being pretty tired of it. Uh, but it, the one that that was new, new thinking for me is uh, a framing of the the conversation around the digital divide, right? Like the the technical sort of haves and have nots. Uh, and I I liked uh, I got to a framing of especially for the uh, industrial sector of. You know, a lot of this uh, AI uh, is seen as a thing that's going to take a lot of people's jobs away. And I liked uh, the framing of the, the the social divide is going to eventually become uh, people who have access and are proficient with using these AI tools uh, to sort of supplement their abilities and and those who do not. And that's going to be more obvious about who, who gets opportunities and, and work in, in various ways. And I think a framing to those who are, are presenting AI in the say manufacturing space are is that they 
they might be providing ways to sort of improve people's position in that as that divide grows greater and greater is if you provide training of how to use AI tools in, uh, in the, um, in the average worker, uh, you're, you're effectively uh, able to sort of help them bridge that gap, help them improve their standing in the world, uh, and, and improve their skills. And I think that's a framing that many manufacturing companies might want to, um, consider whenever they're pr- pushing out AI tools. And frankly, like it's going to be on the leadership of those companies to make good on that, that promise. If that's what they actually do, if you use AI and then cut a bunch of jobs, I mean, everyone's going to see through you, but if you do genuinely care about the people uh, who work for you and you're trying to find ways to help them uh, navigate this, uh, this, this new world order that AI is sort of bringing on, um, I think that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. There's, there's a, uh, a concept that I want to circle back to uh, as we weave through this conversation, but a phrase that I heard maybe for the first time, uh, was this idea of a a prompt engineer and prompt engineering, right? And like the development of a skill set around how to use generative AI. Um, I think just as years ago, um, many, many years ago, like being good at using LexisNexis, right, to find research articles was replaced by being good at using Google to find things. Um, and I think the next uh, kind of discipline that's going to come forward is this idea of prompt engineering uh, and having like the right way of questioning generative AI uh, to get uh, the answer that you're looking for to produce the output that you need. Um, and it's going to be a huge skill as it relates to even training models as well, which was not something that I'd originally been, been thinking about. Um, but uh, to your point, like opening up new skill sets and new um, uh, ways of working that are going to be needed and different and need to be prepared for, I think is something that we're going to continue to hear a lot of people talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I I was aware of that that term uh, in advance, but what I did, what I was not aware of, that I heard was, I think people are starting to produce like coursework uh, that yeah. the, on on the subject, and I was like, oh, uh, I never, I like, for example, when we were, when Google sort of happened, I I never heard of or saw any coursework that was like get good at Google. Uh, it just didn't seem to exist at the time. Whereas now it's like, Hey, this skill is already a, a complex enough thing that people are like putting out content on the subject. Um, and, and it was one of, um, uh, one of the speaker's recommendations for how a person who, um, maybe is looking for a job might skill themselves up and be relevant in today's, uh, in today's workforce. And I thought that was, um, great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want AI to completely take over our conversation today, um, because I know we'll come back to it a bit. Um, one of the topics that I was hoping to kind of get a little bit uh, more connected to was just the role of like connectivity as it relates to uh, Industry 4.0. And so one of the topics that I really touched on in a couple of different ways was just the impact of 5G and edge computing. Um, and one thing that was really interesting to me was that, so listen, as it relates to 5G, the ability to have devices connected over the internet as opposed to going through like Wi-Fi or LoRaWAN is going to open up the number of different sensors and devices and ways to connect things, right? So like that's a real interesting dynamic in terms of how scaling of some of these technologies is going to happen. Um, and 
I didn't have a full appreciation for just how far along the U.S. market is in 5G, uh, but how uh, far behind many other markets are globally as it relates to 5G, um, and that this there's a belief that this cycle of um, new generations every 10 years that we've been on is likely going to come off kilter a little bit as we go towards 6G, um, because the promise and the value of 6G is like still a little bit fuzzy relative to 5. Um, and specifically, um, these uh, telecoms who have rolled out 5G already spent so much on the spectrum uh, that they're kind of like loaded down with debt and there's, there's not a good revenue or financial incentive uh, to make that next leap just yet until they've, they've kind of like earned back the investment in 5G. So that was like a bit of a, amidst all of the um, excitement over all things, like a sobering take on something was a nice was a nice change of pace in the course of, of what we were hearing about last week. Yeah, I think uh, it, it certainly feels like that wireless technology, it feels surprisingly like um, you know, drug manufacturing and so, like it's just like a wildly expensive, um, super long development cycle and just unusual in the tech space to have things like that, right? It's we expect wickedly fast turnarounds and if anything, and I, I'll be honest, like this is a space that I don't know a ton about. I'm not like uh, I, I'm a consumer of things like five G, not not a uh, I'm not really in tune with how it's all built and all that, but it certainly feels like the next innovations need to be in that space, uh, aiming towards a, a faster cycle uh, in terms of new developments. It just um, it's taking too long for for these things to be able to come out, um, and the what you're seeing is a lot of gap bridging technology. So like uh, routers and uh, wireless routers are trying to fill sort of bridge the gap, extend the, the the capability a little further in the places that, that it matters. And that's great. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's doing a good job. Um, but it's, um, you'd expect the telcos to, to, to really be incentivized to, to be able to turn things around faster. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. Um, there were a couple of really interesting organizations that I came across there who were doing interesting stuff, stuff that surprised me. Um, I know you had a couple. Um, any any other top of mind that you think our listeners might be interested to hear about? Yeah, um, the 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 first one that um, that that we ran into uh, that I just didn't. I'm sorry for my ignorance, but like I just didn't realize that this was such a space. And the guy I, I spent some time with was uh, his name is Dan Isaacs. Um, and he's the, the CTO of the digital twin consortium. And I got to tell you, like talking with this guy is, uh, is amazing first off because he's just, he's just thinking on a level that I am not, uh, he's, uh, he's super sharp and he's really thinking a lot about how do we take this term that, uh, we as an industry are getting value out of a, a coined term, uh, and it's useful for marketing. It's useful for, uh, development in terms of new technologies and and stuff like that, and it's important that that term means something. And so he's spending his time uh, uh, setting out standards, uh, and uh, his, the Digital Twin Consortium is really just like this this group of even some in some cases a group of groups uh, that uh, are trying to um, bring together the ideas uh, uh, around digital twins and and make them a little bit more standardized and. 
he talks like I'm deeply versed in other consortium uh, like that. And I, I was like, I haven't said the word consortium in a long time, but that's because that's because Dan's out there working on an international level, trying to get like uh, a broad swath of people to, to see things in the same way. And I'm just, I am deeply in awe of that work. It is hard. Uh, and it's not something that, you know, we get to, really engage with as much as, 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 as he does. So it's really cool. Yeah. They're a fascinating organization and just everything they're doing from like a standards uh, development standpoint, uh, they're attracting like the biggest of players in the space. Uh, and there's a lot of really smart thinking that's happening there. So that's cool. I'm glad you got to connect with Dan. Um, there was an, on the opposite of the spectrum, there was a, a small startup that I came across that I was pretty intrigued by. Um, they're a group called multi AI. Uh, you can find them online at multi.ai. They are turning um, basically autonomous AI research into a service, right? So it's this idea that um, you could have an AI assistant um, that is interacting with you through natural language prompts, like a generative, you know, AI chat GPT kind of setup. And the role that they're filling is executing on ongoing research and statistical analysis tasks that you might have as a business leader, right? So um, think about it this way, like you are, let's imagine on a small scale, right? Let's imagine you are a small to medium sized business. Uh, we have a friend who, you and I have a mutual friend who makes um, things for the wedding industrial complex, right? And they're an online seller. Um, you can imagine that a key part of their business is constantly doing research around new products, new sellers, pricing, um, where to source, all those types of things. You can imagine like how much of their job that time takes up that they can devote to it. Imagine being able to just kind of like automate that and be able to have like an AI telling you when prices are moving on socks or on other elements that you're buying for your bridal party. Um, so, and that's just at like the small meme size business. I think like an enterprise level, you can even see greater applications. Uh, but something like that uh, could really just be really interestingly transformative in terms of in terms of what it could do. Um, even think about people who work in day trading, right? In terms of what that type of insight could do in terms of informing uh, market moving decisions. So that was kind of that was a really wild thing for me to think of in terms of like this AI research as a service uh, that you could potentially have as a as a new development. Yeah, we have a, a partner uh, called Hoplabs. Uh, Hoplabs.com is their uh, their URL, and uh, somewhat somewhat of a similar thing. I think a little bit more closer to like um, machine learning uh, consulting, but it's uh, less less sort of like as a service and a little bit more of a deep partnership um, kind of feel. But somewhat similar. It's like I, I think it's interesting that there's there's so much space for all this right now with all the movement and the, and the money that's flowing towards it. Yeah. Uh, I got, I got another one. If we're, uh, if we're go, rolling down the path of the things that was, was interesting. Um, this is it. The more we do this podcast, the more I think our listeners are going to realize that this is a rare thing for me to say, but I particularly loved, uh, Michael Shepard, uh, who is uh, from Dell and I don't, I'm unlikely to be like this massive behemoth is something that I thought was really cool. Um, but, uh, mostly it's, it's that, First off, Michael Shepard is a uh, is a class act, and you could tell he was just on on stage and um, the type of guy that uh, you can immediately deeply respect. But he's a he's a senior a senior distinguished engineer with their um, chief technology office, and he showed off uh, 
shut off one of their um, AI efforts, which is not the point of this, uh, but it's, is just is to say that I think they are um, they're pursuing uh, AI in a very um, in a very measured and mature way. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna bring some some products to market, and it was it was just cool to um, to see what what Dell is up to. Uh, and frankly, he he brought a level of polish to the stage that was impressive. I did catch a bit of him, and uh, I was also duly duly impressed. Uh, no, I mean the speakers uh, kind of throughout the two days I thought were just excellent. Uh, they clearly brought a lot of great, not just uh, people who are thinking and talking about the space, but I got the sense there were a lot of doers there, uh, which is what I really appreciate in terms of people having kind of practical expertise with the things that are the things that are happening. Um, what if we, let's talk about a year from now, let's say we go back to Austin next September, uh, go to the same conference again. I'm curious, what do you think, uh, will have changed when we turn up there? What do you think will be newer or bigger topics, uh, when we come back based on what we experienced this week and think things are going to trend towards, listen, being in the prognostication game is terrible business, but we might as well have some fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's 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 what we're doing here uh, for for the next five. Um, I think uh, uh, I I think it'll feel much more real in almost every dimension. I think people will be talking about um, uh, they'll be showing off things that are that are making uh, more distinct like impact uh, and less speculative. That'll be the big shift, I think. Um, and I think the um, the average person there will have uh, will have definitely done more AI uh, work in particular, but like you know, you certainly felt that with the the conversation that was more around connectivity and IoT, the stuff that was really born out of that IoT world uh, conference that that that's still there. You, you get you get this like uh, lived experience uh, sort of feel from those talks. Those felt a little bit dis- separate and distinct from the ones that were more speculative, which tended to be more on the AI side. And I think uh, what, what I, I hope to see or I expect to see is those to those to trend a little bit closer together. Um, and then another one that I, I I'll just like speculate is that I think you'll get more clear stories, in particular from the healthcare space. I think if I had to guess, that's where that's where the the genuine um, like use cases and innovation is going to, is going to come over the next year. And so I expect that to be a, uh, more of a common story. You, there were definitely some talks. I, I went to two or three that were on uh, healthcare, but, um, they were, they were mostly speculative and, and less like, here's the thing that hits patients lives every day that we built in, 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 this, in this general uh, subject. So I expect to see a little bit more. Yep. I'm, I would, uh, double down on that healthcare bet. Uh, that's a good one. Um, for me, it's one thing that was interesting from an IoT perspective. Um, going in, I think the previous stat I had heard was that there'll be something like 30 billion IoT devices globally by 2030. Uh, and I think in the course of the conference this week, I heard that number is growing and it's now pushing towards 35 billion by 2030, right? So that's like, just for scale sake, we're talking about like four IoT devices for every person on the planet. And I think that the e-waste aspect of all these sensors and devices 
is something that we're ultimately going to have to reckon with just in terms of the amount of stuff that we're producing um, and doing it in a way that is going to be sustainable and responsible. Um, I heard maybe one or two speakers kind of reference this from like a responsibility standpoint. Um, and I would venture to guess that next year there will be even greater understanding of the implications of that and how to think about from a hardware design standpoint like how do you manage the life cycle of these things and and you know be considerate about like what it is that we're that we're putting out there so i thought that was i thought that was interesting um the other yeah, that, one, on, on that on the on the sort of like ecological impact i think that yeah in in addition to the sort of like e-waste to the devices side of things i think there's also just like the uh electricity usage frankly like that all this it, both ai and the the advancements of the devices i think that's um that's scaling in a way and and adding that with things like electric cars and stuff like our our energy usage is is skyrocketing and i think uh being able to produce energy in a, in a meaningful way is only getting more and more important um the other thing that i think will be a more prevalent topic next year is just the prevalence of what I would call like proprietary LLMs, right? So more and more organizations kind of building their own models to allow employees, stakeholders, um, customers to interact with their proprietary data. Um, I think we talked before about just the amount of information that's being generated uh, and think about, especially like in an industrial space and thinking about like what you were saying a moment ago in terms of um, making the lives of everyday workers easy right how can we how i think the trend towards proprietary models that capitalize on the institution's owned knowledge making that more accessible um, is going to increase and i think there will be a lot of best practices standards tricks here's how we did it uh that'll be the basis for many many talks uh in the next 12 months yeah i would not be shocked if in if in 12 months we're in a world in which you can basically upload files and URLs to, to someplace and get your spit out your own custom thing. And it's as a service. Uh, so, um, we're, we're really not far from that. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts on the conference, uh, takeaway or, or something that, uh, puts a bow on this topic for you? One one last subject that we didn't talk at all about that was, a, it was definitely prominent was the quantum computing space. Um, I, uh, I will admit that I am still working on wrapping my head around the subject. Uh, and, uh, but I think a lot of folks are, uh, really, uh, getting excited, but if you talk, if you think like LLMs have a fuzzy, uh, like value prop right now, the quantum space is even more so. And you, you definitely heard that from the speakers. Um, so I think. Uh, that's probably further on the horizon and I, I wouldn't even expect in the next year for us to necessarily arrive at a, a fundamentally different perspective there. I think we're, we're looking for a large jump in the quantum space, even though the compute, uh, developments are happening, but something that brings it more into the general, uh, even general engineering, uh, the mainstream engineering consciousness. Uh, I think that's, that's what we're still waiting for a little bit. Yep, that's a good one. That was an important track uh, throughout the two days. So appreciate you you touching on that. Um, okay, I feel like we covered that really well. Uh, yeah. So let's let's do a little transition and go to our regular weekly feature. What did I ask Generative AI this week? Uh, I will let you have the honors uh, this time around. Uh, 
Charlie, what did you ask Generative AI this week? So um, this week, um, I'm bringing one that's a little bit less uh, less comedy and more just practical. But we were going to Austin, and so I I, I wanted to see how little I could provide uh, ChatGPT and get something that I would I was willing to actually physically action on in the real world. And so I okay. I just said, I'm heading to Austin tomorrow. Uh, I'm staying at this particular hotel. Uh, where should I have dinner? And it was like that's that's it. And um, it gave me a, a number of options, by the way. It was very, they were uh, amazingly detailed. And the funny thing was, is you booked us for dinner and we ended up having dinner at uh, Lambert's barbecue and it was awesome. It was fantastic. But that is actually one of the core things that um, ChatGPT recommended. And uh, Ira was already sort of briefed on the subject. Uh, and it took me 30 seconds to find out basically what are the, what are the awesome uh, restaurants in, uh, in the neighborhood where I was, uh, I was staying. And uh shout out to lamberts they uh they did a fantastic job uh, we were stuffed to the gills it was outstandingly good never i've never had a bad meal there i knew i could feel confident uh bringing you to that uh, that special spot in austin i'm glad uh I'm glad you enjoyed it cool so hey, yeah, well, what do you got like hit me come on hit me hit me with yours I got you. I, I took it. I went a little bit different way this this week. Um, as you know, I typically like to use chat GPT almost as like a tutor. Like I'll, I'll go down a rabbit hole with it and use it to explore a subject. Um, and I felt like that was getting a little bit old. So I need to do something a little different. At TXI, we have a very active Slack community, number of different channels. Um, one of the ones that I'm in regularly is the music channel. And we'll often just post like, what do we do this weekend? So I was lucky enough to go to the Global Citizens Festival in Central Park in New York City this weekend. Um, and I shared that in Slack. And what I put in Slack was the lineup was excellent. The highlights were seeing Jungkook of BTS put on an amazing performance, Miss Lauren Hill performing and celebrating the 21st anniversary of Miss Education, only to have Wyclef and Pros come out at the end for a Fuji's reunion, and a closing set by Red Hot Chili Peppers that was thrilling and energetic. And that was like a perfectly appropriate Slack update for TXI. But I gave it to ChatGPT and I said, can you rewrite this in the voice of an influencer who's trying to make their weekend sound even more exciting than it was? <laughs> yes. So ChatGPT came back to me at, absolutely. Let's jazz it up, influencer style. So we're gonna have to ask Greg to put like the full text into the show page because this is just outstanding. It even added emojis throughout the text it generated. So shooting star, rain cloud, hashtag, epic rainy day vibes and NYC exclamation point, rainy cloud, star. Had the absolute privilege of dancing under the raindrops thanks to the wild whims of tropical storm Ophelia at the iconic Central Park's Global Citizens Festival. Globe emoji, star emoji. Hashtag starstruck moments when Jungkook of BTS took the stage, microphone emoji. Pure, pure fire. The energy, the charisma, he's truly on another level. Hashtag King Cook. Um, I'm like, it's just epic. It goes I, on. I, like, I would have stopped you earlier, but I, I like I like listening to you have to like, you know, speak all of the emojis. That's that's worth its weight in gold. You just keep going. Uh, yep. Um, it's it's amazing. It really it, it ends with hashtag blessed beyond words uh, to experience such a magical day. Central Park, you were wild. Um, Explodey cone Christmas tree. Uh, stay tuned for <laughs> Amazing Avengers fam. Uh, heart 
uh, hashtag living my best life. Um, so I just want to know what kind of secret, you know, cool kid, uh, you know, whatever TikTok things are in there that you don't actually even understand. We're sure just a I bunch can. of old men. Yes. Yes. So we'll have to put up the, uh, the actual, uh, chat GPT text, but yeah, that made it sound a heck of a lot more interesting, uh, than what I shared in our Slack channel. So that is, that is my contribution this week. Absolutely beautiful. All right. So listen, I think um, that is a good note on which to wrap things up before I try and explain more emojis and thoroughly embarrass myself. Uh, so I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Uh, our ambition is to continue to cover the important topics and trends shaping industrial information from manufacturing to supply chain. We will see you next time on The Modern Industrialist. Thank you.